is Jesus called the last Adam or the second Adam? And it's very simple. A lot of people get stuck in the weeds with this in their theology, but it's very simple. Adam was the first son of God made in the flesh. Okay. Jesus was the second and last son of God made in the flesh. And you may be saying, preacher, aren't we all children of God? Yes, by adoption. But only Adam and Jesus were the direct offspring of God the Father himself. Now, the manifestation of Jesus became necessary because of what the first son of God, Adam, lost. What did he lose? He lost the dominion. Go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And if I didn't tell you earlier, the title of the class is DNA of Dominion. DNA of Dominion. DNA of Dominion. Genesis 1, 26. Look at it on the screen. And I'm going to rely on you all upstairs so I don't have to turn to all these scriptures. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. and Let them have dominion. We're going to pretend everyone had a good Starbucks. Let's make man in our own image according to our likeness and let them have over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 28. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing, sing, every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, real quickly, that verse gives us seven spheres of Adam's dominion, the dominion that God gave to Adam. I'll go through them quickly. Be fruitful. That's productivity and creativity. In other words, I created you. I created the world. Now take what I created and go create with it. Be productive. Be fruitful. Number two, multiply. You want more trees? They have seeds in them. You can go plant trees everywhere you want. If you find a lake in the earth somewhere you like and there's not a nice tree, go take the seed from this tree and go make more of what I already made. God intended for them to multiply. He intended for the, he intends for you to multiply. Number three, fill the earth. This means take new space, take new territory. Don't spend all of your time in Eden. Go fill the earth, go occupy, go take space. And then number four, establish dominion as a lifestyle, establish dominion. When he says have dominion or take dominion, what he's meaning is Establish dominion as a lifestyle, not just something you do when you talk to God or when you pray, but every single day of your life and every moment of your day, be conscious of and have the faith for dominion in every area of your life. Then he says, have dominion over the fish of the sea. In other words, he's saying, I want you to rule over that which is deeper than you. Mm. I want you to rule over an environment that's foreign to you. Now, you wouldn't think man cannot live and breathe underwater. How am I going to take dominion over something that I can't survive in? He said, don't worry about it. I have given you the authority and the power to rule things that are deeper than you. Then he says, the birds of the air rule and have dominion over things that are higher than you. Okay. For an example of this, I am not a medical doctor. I do not have any kind of degrees in science or anything like that. And when my son went through the medical challenges that he went through and the brain surgery and those different kind of things, when I approach the medical system, I'm dealing with people that are higher than me. I'm dealing with concepts that are higher than my level of education. I'm dealing with issues that are beyond me and above me. And yet, I walked out of all of it with a miracle because God gave me dominion over the birds of the air, over things that are flying higher than me. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Then he says, over every living thing. Everybody say thing. Every living thing. He's not just talking about animals. He's not just talking about reptiles and all and insects. Every living thing, the word thing there means organ. Can you see that? He's not just talking about everything that has an organ. That root word organ is where we get uh, organism. 
or organization or system. He was saying, Adam, no matter what system is ever created in this earth, and the earth is full of systems, no matter what system is ever created in this earth, I'm giving you the dominion to have authority over it. And so I never, Adam, I never want you to feel less than no matter what system you approach, whether you're approaching the legal system or the medical system or the banking system or a corporate system, you are never at a disadvantage when you have dominion because I'm putting something on you, Adam, that will allow you to control whatever environment you come in. You may not have gone to their university, but you still got dominion. You may not have shaken the right hands or had influence with the right people, but you still have dominion. It's this dominion that will get you jobs you do not qualify for. It's this dominion that will get you things that are totally out of your reach because you have dominion over every living. If it's a thing, say if it's a thing, there's dominion for it. Now, Adam lost this dominion in the Garden of Eden by two actions. Most people would just say it was sin. He ate of the tree that God said not to eat of. No, it was two actions. It was sin, number one. Number two, it was failure to take responsibility. Responsibility is the cousin of dominion. You will never walk in dominion if you are a person who refuses to take responsibility. Okay. So look at Genesis 3, verses 8 through 12. Genesis 3, verses 8 through 12. Let's watch him lose the dominion. This is after they had sinned. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Dominion never hides. Did you hear me? Dominion never hides. They hid themselves. The Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? Next verse. Next verse. It's all right. Here, I can put it up on mine. I was just trying to be lazy. Y'all give me a second. He says, uh, no, that's not right. Y'all give me a minute. Oh, we got it. And he said, I heard that voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee? Thou shouldest not eat. Watch the loss of dominion. And the man said. The woman. Whom you gave to be with me. Yes, ladies, that is where it started. This is all the way back. Watch what he does. Notice, God didn't talk to Satan first. He didn't talk to Eve first. He talked to his son, who he gave the dominion to. Because dominion always speaks to dominion. It would be unlawful or out of order any other way. You know. So dominion always speaks to dominion. But when Adam said, it, it was the woman, ask her. Woman, you gave me, by the way, maybe if you'd have given me a better one. He has passed the dominion to the woman. And then the woman follows the model her husband said. It was the serpent. He deceived me. I wasn't smart enough. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I wasn't well equipped, you know. The serpent deceived me. What has the woman done? She's passed the dominion, all those seven spheres, to the serpent. So it went from Adam to the woman to the serpent. Now notice, when God addresses the serpent, the serpent doesn't say anything. He doesn't have to. You don't have to talk when you got it. 
The serpent's got the dominion. Dominion has many languages. Silence is one of them. Because when you got it, you ain't got to say it. I can always tell people are struggling with areas of dominion. Like when you have a man, you know, he's got to come home from work and kick the front door open and, and holler at everybody. I'm the man of this house. Now you ain't the man. You ain't the man. Because if, if you're really the man, the man don't have to announce that he's the man. He's just the man. So, so God starts talking to Satan and Adam's going off and Eve's going off. Satan's smug and quiet because he has taken the seven spheres of dominion that God gave his son. So verse 14, look at verse 14, Genesis 3, 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle more than every beast of the field on your belly. You shall go and you shall eat dust all of the days of your life. Stop right there. I just want you to think about this. Look at how much havoc Satan has caused over the history of mankind in a cursed state. How has he been so effective even in a cursed state? Because he had the dominion. Imagine if the devil can do all he's done in a cursed state just because he had dominion. What could you do in a blessed state operating in dominion? And so I just thought I'd throw that out there. He says, you're going to eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity, it's the Hebrew word for war, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He, oh, he shall bruise your head. A seed coming from the woman shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, Satan, you may have stolen the dominion from my first son, Adam, but there's a second son coming. He's going to be the seed or the offspring of the woman. And that second son is going to crush your head. Doesn't mean his skull. He's going to crush your headship, your authority, and your ability to have dominion. Now, Satan held the dominion for 42 generations. But the scripture says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. And Jesus came, the scripture says, for this cause was the son of man manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Specifically, what works? He came to destroy the dominion that Satan had taken from God's first son. So the second son comes to restore what the first son lost. This principle reveals a theological dynamic. Now, this is not a family dynamic, so don't get weird and don't hear what I'm not saying. This is a theological dynamic found in the scripture from Genesis to Revelation, and it is simply this. The power, the dominion, and the blessing is always on the second son. Everyone say the second son. The Old Testament whispers this truth to us because the power, the dominion, the blessing was not on Cain. It was Abel. It was not on Ishmael. It was Isaac. It was not on Esau. It was Jacob. It was not on Ephraim. It was Manasseh. It was not Adam. It was Jesus. It was not flesh. It was spirit. And this is significant for you as a believer because you too are too. You were born twice. You were born once by the will of your mama and daddy born in the flesh. But then you were born again the moment you had faith in Jesus Christ. And the dominion, the power, and the blessing is always on the second born. Give God praise for that. So Jesus comes 
and he is tempted in the wilderness by Satan himself. I know you're hungry. You've been fasting. Here's stones. You can turn them into bread. Or he takes him up. If you'll bow down to me, I'll give you all of the kingdoms of the earth. I'll, I'll give you all the dominion I stole from your brother, Adam. And Satan could say that. And this time he wasn't lying because he had all of the seven spheres of dominion. If you'll bow down and worship me, Satan is trying to get Jesus to do the same thing Adam did. Turn over the dominion, turn over the dominion, turn over the dominion. So he's tempting him. You know, he takes him to a high uh, temple and he says, just jump down and the angels of the Lord, they'll, they'll, they'll carry you. The word says they won't let you dash your foot against a stone and he's tempting him and he's tempting him. And the temptation was to get him to relinquish his own dominion as God. Because Jesus is not just the son of man. He is God manifested in the flesh. Satan is trying to get the second Adam to fail in the way that the first Adam failed. And every time Satan tempted him, Jesus answered him with the word. Thus it is written. Thus it is written. Thus it is written. It brings up an interesting point. Anytime you are tempted... It's a temptation to try to take your dominion in that area. If you're tempted to lust, it's not about all the, the, the things that, that you might think. If you're tempted to lust, it's very simple. The enemy is just trying to take your dominion. If you're tempted with overindulgence, the enemy is just trying to take your dominion. Okay. If you're tempted with anger, the enemy is just trying to take your dominion. All of temptation is a ploy and a scheme to try to remove your dominion from you, to try to take your power from you. So we start seeing something strange as Jesus approaches the cross on Holy Week. We start seeing something unique. If he was just dying for our sins, that would be one thing. But, but he starts doing two different things on parallel tracks. He starts slowly taking back the dominion. You may not have seen it when you read the account of when they arrested Jesus. They didn't just take him to the whipping post first. They didn't just take him to the cross first. First, they took him to the judgment hall and they had all of their officials pepper him with questions. And the scripture says, through all of their questions, he remained. I'll remind you, dominion has many languages. Silence is one of them. He started to take the dominion. And the more he was silent, the more angry they got. Pause. Let me just pause here. You do not have to respond to everything. You do not have to respond to every accusation. You do not have to respond to every hater. You do not have to respond to every word that is meant to trick you into a fight or into an argument. You do not have to respond to everyone on social media. You do not have to respond to your crazy family that's coming over on Thanksgiving Day trying to make your life miserable. You do not have to respond to everything. He slowly starts taking back the dominion and then we see in the Garden of Gethsemane, the first Adam made excuses and passed the responsibility in his garden, the Garden of Eden. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, the second Adam is faced with a bitter cup of responsibility. And he says, Father, if there's any way this bitter cup can pass from me, let it pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And the bitter cup of responsibility laid before him was the responsibility of taking in himself the judgment and the penalty for all of our sins. The bitter cup of responsibility that the father laid before his second son was the responsibility of redeeming us back to God and breaking every curse by becoming a curse himself. And he didn't want to do it. And yet he was submitted and obedient to the challenge and the 
word that his father had laid before him. What's he doing? He's taking more and more dominion when he agrees to take the cup. I want you to notice that Jesus did not begin to suffer until he started taking all of our sins into himself so that his suffering could pay the price total free and clear. The bill to sin has been totally paid by Jesus and his sacrifice. Totally paid, totally paid, totally paid. He, he took all of our sin into himself and then went to the cross with it. He was beaten, he suffered, and he died and still wasn't done. After he died, the Bible says he went down into hell itself, walked into the devil's throne room and said, I'm here to get something back. You hadn't been able to get me to stumble. You hadn't been able to tempt me. You hadn't been able to make me fall. I did everything my father said. So as of this moment, all the spheres of dominion now belong to me. Give me all of your keys. And in this moment, when he walked into hell and took the keys back, the scripture in Genesis was fulfilled. Jesus didn't hit Satan on the head. He broke his headship by taking the keys. Then the scripture says he rose from the dead on the third day. Glory to God. I know I'm teaching, but I'm starting to feel the oil in here. He rose bodily on the third day ascended into heaven with the keys in his hand. And the scripture said, when God the Father saw it, he said, because you have done this, because you did not despise the shame or you did not reject the shame of going to the cross, I am going to give you the name that is above every name. I'm going to give you the name that has all power. I'm going to give you the name that has all authority and all dominion. I'm going to put so much power in your name that if any human being on earth dares call your name in faith, the same dominion that you've got on you, I'll extend to them if they do something as simple as call on your name in faith. He said, I tell you what else I'm going to do with your name. He said, every knee. Yeah, yeah, hallelujah. Every knee. This goes back to Genesis. Everything. Have dominion over everything. He said, every knee is going to bow. Things in heaven. You don't hear this preacher. Things in earth and things under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there were seven spheres. Don't preach, boy. Just. So there were seven spheres that Adam lost. There are seven spheres that Jesus took back. Now. After his work for us, oh, the Holy Spirit commissioned by divine authority, apostles and disciples to write the account of what Jesus did for us so that those of us coming in the future would be able to reference it and make it a part of our faith and belief system. Because you cannot call on one you hadn't believed in. And you can't believe in one that you hadn't heard about. And you can't hear unless there's a commission authorized and anointed preacher. And he can't preach unless God sent him his voice to your ear. So the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were on assignment by the Holy Spirit, endowed with the words from God himself to pen for you and I all that's been made available to us by what Jesus 
did on Calvary, by what Jesus did when he got out of the tomb, by what Jesus did when he ascended into heaven, offered his own blood on the mercy seat so that you and I might be justified by faith in him, by what Jesus did when he sat down and became our intercessor at the right hand of God the Father, by what Jesus did. You with me? So the Holy Ghost, hallelujah. I said the Holy Ghost, hallelujah. I said the Holy Ghost, said Matthew, I want you to write a gospel. And the theme of your gospel is Jesus is king. Jesus is king. He's the king because he's the son of the king. And he's the king because on the natural side, he's a direct descendant from the lineage of David. Matthew, I want you to preach Jesus is the king. Mark, I want you to preach Jesus is a miracle worker. Mark, I want you to include more stories about his miracles than any other gospel writer. Luke, I want you to tell him that he's a savior, that the king and the miracle worker is also a savior, and he's coming to seek and to save that which is lost. It's why Luke tells us about the parable of lostness in three dimensions. He tells us about a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son, wanting you to know that there is a king and a savior who loves you so much he would leave the royal diadem of heaven and get a broom in his hand and start sweeping, that he would leave the royal diadem of heaven and go start looking for a dumb sheep, that he would leave the royal diadem diadem of heaven and go looking for a lost son, a wicked son, a disobedient son, a sinful son. But the king and the miracle worker is looking for us. He's looking for us. If you're backslidden today, I got good news. He's still looking for you. He said he's a savior. He wants to save you. He's a savior. He wants to save you. I wish somebody would give him praise. He's a savior. He wants to save you. Y'all going to hurt me today. Matthew, tell him he's king. Mark, tell him he's a miracle worker. Luke, Tell him he's a, he's a savior. But John, Johnny boy, I want you to tell him that he has all dominion. And so John chapter one starts, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then he shows the dominion of the word. All things were made by him. Him who? Him the word. All things were made by him. And, and without him, listen at the dominion. Without him was not any. There's that word thing again. Any organ, any organism, or any organization, or any system. Without him, the power for those things to come into being. Not anything was made without the power of the word. Then from, that's John chapter 1. Then from John chapter 2 to John chapter 11, John will separate himself from the chronological order and the genealogy and all those things that the other synoptic gospel writers wrote. And John will spend chapter 2 through chapter 11 giving seven signs or seven proofs of Jesus' dominion. Seven proofs that he took back the seven spheres that the first son of God lost. Number one, John chapter two, Jesus turned water into wine. 
Jesus has dominion of what you're running out of. Jesus has dominion because he is both the source and the supply. 60 miles from Jerusalem in Cana of Galilee, we see a ghetto, a poor region, a region that is economically depressed. Jesus is invited to a wedding that is running out of wine as a result of poverty. And when they began to, to be nervous and shame began to blush their face, they came to Mary and they said, would you ask Jesus if he could do something? Jesus looked at Mary. He said, it's not my time yet. She paid him no attention like most mamas do their sons and said, what to, said to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And the Bible says there were six stone water pots, water pots holding 20 or 30 gallons of water apiece. That means they had plenty of what they needed, water, because you don't need wine to survive. Somebody needs to hear that again. You don't need wine to survive. I mean, it ain't going to kill you if you don't drink it. They had plenty of what they needed because my God shall supply all of my they had plenty of what they needed, but then Jesus flips the scripts and turned what they needed into what they wanted. And he still does it today. He'll start working with the thing that's needed and turn it into the thing that is wanted. Number two, Jesus healed the centurion servant by sending the word. This shows us Jesus has dominion over distance. A pagan Roman soldier comes to Jesus without the benefit of being taught the precepts of faith. A pagan, unbelieving deplorable lifestyle having Roman soldier comes to Jesus because he saw Jesus performing miracles. He comes and says, I have a servant in my house and my household can't survive without this servant. And uh, Jesus says in remarkable grace and kindness, I will come and heal him. Roman soldier got up under conviction and said, no, sir. So much mess has gone on in my house. So much filth has gone on in my house. So much sin and degradation has gone on in my house. I am not worthy and neither is my house worthy for someone like you to cross the threshold of the door. But I do understand the dynamics of dominion. I do understand the dynamics of authority. And I know if you'll stand right where you are, even though the distance may be great, I know if you stand right where you are, open up your mouth and send the word that my servant will be healed. And, and, Jesus, and Jesus displayed through that miracle that he has dominion over distance, that his presence in the space is not required for his power to work and to function. I got to go. Number three, Jesus heals a man. I'm not going to be able to finish this. Jesus heals a man at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus has dominion. This is another sign. It's another proof. He has the dominion to break victim mentalities. <laughs> Holy Ghost. You, you, when you're dealing with somebody that's got a victim mentality, let me help you, okay? Because some of your kids have them, or some of your loved ones have them, or some of your friends have them, or some of you have them. Nobody in this section, but you know. When dealing with a victim mentality, another human being does not have the power to break it. 
you will never talk someone out, counsel someone out, mentor someone out of a victim mentality. A victim mentality is one of the deepest bondages on a mind that can happen. It's a deeper bondage than addiction to drugs. A victim mentality is a deeper bondage than addiction to pornography. A victim mentality is deep stuff. It takes Jesus to break There was a man that was lame laying at the pool of Bethesda because one time a year during the Feast of Tabernacles, a strange, mysterious spiritual phenomenon would take place. An angel would come down and dance in the pool so that God's will could be done on earth as it is in heaven. The scripture says he dances over us and he dances during the season of tabernacles. So God would send an angel to do on earth what he was doing in heaven. And the angel would dance in the pool. And whoever was sick and got in the pool first would be healed of whatever affliction they had. This uh, grew famous. It was noised about. So sick and infirm people would gather around the pool and they would wait for the troubling of the waters. This man had been waiting for 38 years. Jesus comes to the pool and he looks at the man and he says, dangerous question to ask a victim, a victim mentality possessor. He, he says, do you want to be made whole? Loaded question. The man immediately retorts. His mind is so gripped and warped. His paradigm. You know, your paradigm is the lenses you look through mentally to see the world and understand and interact. And if your paradigm gets warped, everything in your life is warped because you can't think apart from the paradigm that's been created. The man says to Jesus, Jesus offers him healing. Would you like to be made whole? And the man immediately goes into his victim mentality. I've been here 38 years. I don't have anybody. <laughs> I don't have anybody to help me get into the water. You see my legs, they're lame. And every year I have to watch people get in front of me and get their healing. And every year I get to see them going on with their life. And if I, if I wouldn't have had this disease, if I'd have had another affliction, I'd have been okay. But I don't have anybody to help. Stop! didn't ask you that. You know, those people, you know, you say, hi, how are you doing? They burst into tears, you know, tell you their whole life story. Everybody that hurt them, everybody that dropped them, everything's going wrong with them, you know, stop. I didn't ask you that. I asked you if you wanted to be made whole. And this is problematic because the longer you have embraced a victim mentality, Becoming whole means you have to deal with the fear and the scariness of a change of lifestyle. Because if Jesus does heal him now, where's he going to go? He's built his home around the pool. He's built his social structure around the pool. He's built his life around the pool for nearly four decades. What dysfunction have you built your life around that you say you want to leave, but if it ever came face to face with the opportunity to leave, you'd be scared to death and wouldn't know what to do. Do you want a peaceful home? Do you know that some people can't deal with too much peace? Because they were raised in dysfunction. They were raised with yelling and fighting and screaming. They were raised with violence in the home. They were raised with plates flying through the air, breaking against the walls. And, and if it goes too long without something like that happening, they don't feel like things are normal. They don't feel like things are okay. So they'll stir something up just to get back to the feeling of normalcy because the paradigm is broken and it's a victim mentality. 
Victim mentalities never possess dominion because victim mentalities always pass the responsibility just like Adam passed it to Eve and Eve passed it to the serpent. A victim mentality always makes excuses. And in that posture, you can never possess true dominion. Jesus looks at the man. I'm going to ask you one more time. Do you want to be made whole? He says, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And the man did, and I'm sure it took him a while to build a new life. I'm sure it took him a while to start over. You know how many people stay in broken situations just because they feel like they're too old to start over in that area? Jesus can break that thing off of you. If you can have the faith to be willing to trust him with a new beginning. Oh, that's good. Give the Lord praise right there. I wanted to give you that. I'll clean up the rest of it later. Stand to your feet and give God a praise. Did the word bless you? Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first. Again. So listen, there's a lot more material we could go through and flesh out. And show. Here, here's the point. Jesus took all seven spheres of dominion that the first son of God lost. And then Jesus told the disciples as he was about to leave the earth, he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I have been with you physically. But I shall be in you. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And one of the names of the Holy Spirit, according to Isaiah, is the Spirit of the Lord's dominion. When you believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. When you are baptized in water, the Holy Spirit sends the sin away, remission of sins. But when you are, number three, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't say you have, I said you are filled with the Holy Spirit, which is a subsequent experience, then in your life, you walk around with the spirit of the Lord's dominion down on the inside of you. And there is no weakness. There is no system. 
there is no thing, there is no person, there is no demon, there is no devil, there is no curse, there is no hex that can stand in front of a blood-bought believer who is filled with the spirit of the dominion Jesus paid for. So Holy Spirit, I pray that the words of the scripture find their way deep into the hearts of your people. I pray that today you will convict of sin and draw towards Jesus Christ. I pray today if there's a person here who has not accepted Jesus as their Savior, I pray today that they will be led to repeat these words of faith according to Romans chapter 10. That with the heart we believe and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. That we would say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I have committed sin. But I believe the gospel. I believe you paid it all. And right now I ask you, to be my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord God, I pray that the Spirit of the Lord's dominion invade my life. Fill me with dominion in Jesus' name. I pray for all of these people under the sound of my voice, Heavenly Father. I spoke to them that which you spoke to me. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you add a blessing to the hearing and the receiving of your word. Bless them in their body. Bless their bread and water and take all sickness from the midst of them. Bless them in their minds and their souls. Let anxiety and depression and mental disorders be broken in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you bless them in their finances. I pray that you bless their children and their households. I pray that you bless everything that pertains to them. Lord, I speak safety over them. As many of them are beginning to make plans to travel for the holidays over the next couple of months, I speak safety and protection. I release the angels of the Lord to guard them and guide them and accompany them on their way. All of these things I ask you for, and I'm confident and bold to ask because they all line up with the dominion that you paid for on Calvary's cross. We refuse to to be victims. We refuse to hold our heads down. We refuse to lose. You have made us more than conquerors through Jesus who has loved us. I pray a sweeping wave of the Lord's dominion would envelop the people. I pray that it would go deep into the mindset. I pray it would go into the paradigm. I pray it would go into the deep places of their thoughts and their hearts. I pray it would go into their dreams in the name of Jesus. I wish I had somebody that would pray with me standing there with your hand half raised. I pray the spirit of the Lord's dominion would begin to erupt from this place and invade San Antonio to where the noise is noised about that there's a place in San Antonio where the dominion of the kingdom of God is on full display. I pray that the city has to come to us. I pray the city has to come to us to find out the keys. The keys. Lift up your hands and open them. The keys. There was 50 keys dropped out of the word this morning in your hearing. I pray you grab it. Just grab it in the air. Just grab it. Don't miss what you've been exposed to. Grab it. Take it. One more thing. Dominion must be taken. Dominion must be possessed. Dominion must be lived. Some of you will treat this message and only do the first part. Of you. You, ever, you ever go shopping for clothes anymore? I know a lot of y'all use Amazon. But you ever go to an actual store and go shopping for clothes? What do you do? You take the clothes off the rack, but you hadn't possessed it yet. You can take and not possess. You can take a word and yet not possess it. For this to work for you, you got to take it and then possess it. How do you possess it? By sowing into it. That's how you possess that shirt. You take it, but then you go to the register and you pay for it. The scripture says, God told Moses that even because the covenant was for the Jews initially at first, but God told Moses 
even those not born of the house of Israel shall be granted an inheritance and treated as those born in the house if they communicate with the temple by reason of sacrifice. In other words, God told Moses, if someone from the outside hears this stuff and wants to come in and they're willing to sacrifice, then I will give them everything they heard you speak. It applies to them too. There is an anointing for dominion in this place right now. And you have taken in the concept. You have taken in the ideas. You have taken in the preaching. Now it's time to possess it. I want you to get an envelope in your hand. We're going to bless the Lord with an offering. We're going to bless the Lord with an offering. Get an envelope in your hand. Get an envelope in your hand. Get an envelope in your hand. I want you to get a seed in your hand. I'm not going to tell you what to give. Some will give 400. Some will give 100. Some will give 1,000. Some will give 50. Some will give 40. Some will give 30. I'm not going to tell you what to give, but get a seed in your hand. This is a dominion seed, so make sure it moves you whatever you're given. Make sure you're not just tipping or throwing something off. Make sure it moves you whatever you're given. This is a dominion seed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Pastor Tracy, go get me the lady from Paris. I want to pray. Jaramillo's also. Jaramillo's, come. Come on, write out your seed, text. If you're watching online, you can click the give link in the comments. In the name of Jesus Christ, Pastor Tracy's going to lay her hands on you too. We thank you, Lord, that you are guarding and guiding. We thank you that you're ordering her steps that you're opening a path, you're opening a door for her. Thank you, Lord, for clearing the debris out of the way and making every crooked place straight according to your word. We release the blessing of this house and this family of faith over this woman right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for this family. I thank you for what you're establishing. I thank you. God bless you. May the Lord your God keep you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. May he strengthen you, spirit, soul, and body. May he bless your family. May he bless your space. Bless your vehicle. Bless your house. Bless your office. Bless your business. May the Lord your God bless you today from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Give the Lord one more praise. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday night.